Yeah, and then you grew 10 inches in one year. Yeah. Growth spurt. But I had a tumor. Right. That's what it came from. Yeah. Pituitary, yeah. pituitary. And I still have it. Pituitary tumor. Right. Crazy. That's another example, How right? How can I get that tumor? <laughs> <laughs> can, can you say that? Humble, bad ankle roll, like, like 90 degrees. Like my ankle? How you doing? Good to meet you, nice man. It's an honor, you. of course. Thanks for welcome to your home. Nice, nice to see you. So I said, I want a place here. Mm. I want to build my own squash court. What are you going to do it, Sasha? <laughs> no! What? 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 <laughs> oh, my God. That's solid. <laughs> Why don't you have a slide, bro? Oh, no. <laughs> no one has a slide. <laughs> I do this. <laughs> Dude, let's go. So how was your fight <laughs> with Money Mayweather? No, it's not about me, Tony. <laughs> don't do this. I'm curious. What was it like? I know you trained yourself hey, for it, man. Hey, he's very good. Yeah, that's a good understatement. He's very good. I just wish he would pay me. <laughs> oh, you haven't been paid yet? No, we're working on it. <laughs> Lord, you will see a lawsuit soon. Welcome back to Impulsive, the number one podcast in the world. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, we're sitting with a legend. I'm stoked right now. His energy's so contagious. Tony Robbins has changed so many people's lives. You're changing ours. We've been here for 10 minutes. This is the coolest house I've ever seen. Ever. Thank you for inviting us into your home. Thanks for having me on, man. Tony Robbins, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you too, man. Dude, his fists are massive, large, <laughs> large human. I should have been a boxer. <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, dude. Yeah, your presence is so like, uh, it's contagious. Oh, it's a kind. lot, Thank man. Thank you very much. I lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I'm not kidding. I, I, so you wrote a book. It's out now called Life Force. Yes. And I had planned to say this. Tony, you wrote a book called Life Force. But I have none less because I'm hungover. <laughs> I, I'm irresponsible, and I did I made bad decisions last night at a local Florida dive bar called the Elbow Room. Have you ever been to the Elbow Room? <laughs> that tells room? you enough all by itself, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you've been sober, haven't you? Like yeah, five yeah. years or yeah. fifteen well, years? Yeah, off, off drugs for uh, almost twelve years. Coming upon twelve years. Yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah he's he's uh, you know he's in his experimental stage right yeah, now. Exactly. You know, I already I already went through that, but. Uh, one of the one of the things you talk about in the book, I mean, we could dive in for a second, is is, uh, is sleep, and yeah. the importance of sleep. And this guy, I mean, traveling constantly, going out late at night. I mean, how much did you sleep last night, Logan? I don't, I don't know, <laughs> a couple hours. Well, I, I'm the wrong guy. To, I'll tell you the truth. I was writing that chapter. You know, we we got all this high tech stuff that'll, you know, maximize your mitochondria and give you energy and transform. But I had to do the fundamentals too, and so I'm like, ah, I got to do sleep. But you know, like I don't usually sleep more than four or five hours myself, so I'm a poor judge. And I'm writing the chapter, doing my homework at 6.15 in the morning, I gotta be up at 10 right, for a meeting, or 9.30 for a meeting. I was like, something's wrong with this. But you know, there's a guy named Dr. Matthew Walker, who's a neuroscientist, he's from UC Berkeley. And he's kind of like the Google sleep expert and things like that. And no one's ever convinced me on the sleep side. My wife will have sleep eight hours, and she's like, come to bed. I'm like, I'll sleep when I die. And I was like, I got too much I wanna do in my life. 
But he convinced me because he goes, Tony, we did a study for 1.6 billion people. I go, that's impossible. You can't coordinate that. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, we didn't have to. It's daylight savings time in 70 countries. And he goes, here's what the research shows. When we do spring forward, which you just lose one hour, yep. for the next three days in every country on average, heart attacks go up 24%. No way. One hour. And here's in the reverse. When we have the fall, we fall back and get one extra hour. 21% average in all 70 countries drop in heart, heart attacks. Why are we still doing And they have all this stuff. What? That's, well, I hate crazy. it regardless because the light situation, but if there's actual like health implications with, I knew it was killing me. You, you knew it. <laughs> really? Four o'clock, it's down. I'm like, why am I not jumping off of my roof right now? This is so depressing. I can't, I can't do anything. I don't like it getting dark early. <laughs> no, no, it, it so kills bad. the day. Let's I make like... a play to get rid of daylight savings time. Well, I, I, I'd love to get rid of daylight savings time. But you know, you, another statistic they told me is, Guy that sleeps four or five hours a night, which has been me my whole life, he goes, on average, their testosterone is of a person 10 years older than they are. So the aging process speeds up mm. on testosterone. And for women, you know, they, if, you know, everybody has a different need, but for every hour they don't get that they need, so if they're an eight hour, they lose 14% of their desire. So they lose two hours, they don't feel good, they don't look good, they don't well, feel alive. To what? Intimacy, brother. I think you understand, don't you? Oh, they should go to bed yeah. right now. <laughs> Babe, Call take her. a nap. Take a nap, baby. But it's so silly. So, so there are so many basic things. But then there's these cool technology. I mean, you guys are energy nuts. I am too. So I'm obsessed with biohacking. Like I go out in my events. I have you know 12, 20,000 people. But I go 12, 13 hours a day, literally, when people won't sit for a three-hour movie. So I got to keep them involved at a level that's intense. So I've had these guys follow me around. They work with like Tom Bates' group and you know Olympic athletes, and they had me wear this seventy thousand dollar monitor, and it monitors everything. And then they come and do your saliva and your blood, you know, half the time. The monitor died at nine hours. I went twelve, right? So they hadn't <laughs> seen that before. But what was really amazing is they've done it for me over three years. I burned eleven thousand three hundred calories in one day. I said that's impossible. And they said, Tony, we thought it's impossible. They did it over over three years. And it's consistent, but I burn almost 4,000 before I get on stage. And I guess chess masters, without moving, just what they're doing in their head, burn 4,000 calories by no themselves. Way. So they're explaining it that way. I jump 1,000 times on average, because I, I run up the stairs, the stadium. I keep people involved at higher levels. I'm just, you know, I don't just stand there and be people bored out of their minds. So would I. But as a result, I weigh 282 pounds. So every time you come down, they explain to me it's four times your body weight. So think of a thousand jumps times a thousand pounds. That's a million pounds of pressure in one day on stage. So they did my bone density and they go, these are humans and these are Olympic athletes. And here's this crazy shit called you we've never seen before. I have 99.9% .9 more bone density than anybody they've ever measured. I have 15 pounds more of lean muscle mass than the average lineman. So I have to, you know, you run and you're with a buddy yeah. and you get where you can't talk. That's because your lactic acid is at a four. I'm at an 18 and still speaking. Oh, oh my God. So because of that, it's like, I want to know, like, what do you do to maximize You, well, you have to, because otherwise you're going to die. I'm gone. And I'm doing more today. I'm going to be 62 in a few weeks. I'm doing more today than when I was 28, 29 years wow. old. Right? But here's what's really cool. There's so many cool breakthroughs. The same technology that makes, you know, computer systems and go, you know, all of a sudden we see it every 18 months a doubling in power and a halving of costs. That's now happening for the first time with our bodies because everything we're doing is code. Your body's code. So I'm sure you've seen, you know, CRISPR, gene editing, yep. and gene therapy. I met this kid that was on America's Cod Talent and was blind, now he can see. You know, they're literally curing those diseases. There are, you know, stem cells changed my life. Part of why I wrote this book was, you know, I've always been interested in the cutting edge, I've always been looking at it, but what pushed me over the edge on this one was, 
I'm on stage and you know I'm cranking like crazy, but then I'm off stage I'm a little crazy too. So I went snowboarding. <laughs> and I'm not a great snowboarder, but I chased this 22-year-old almost pro snowboarder who could clearly do shit I couldn't do. <laughs> and I had a crash that was so vicious. I thought I broke my neck. Thank God I didn't, but I ripped my rotator cuff so badly that I was in nine nine pain on a zero to ten. Like I slept an hour and fifteen minutes one night, an hour the next. I mean, I was breaking down. And so I found out this device called a PEMF. It's a pulse. Yeah. Electric, you know what it is? I know. I'm obsessed with oh, biohacking. I didn't know that. Isn't obsessed it with There's like three thousand, you know, different studies. So I did that, and that took me from nine nine to about a five. Yep. But it wasn't enough to heal it. So then I go to doctor after doctor, four different doctors, all of them surgery, surgery. I'm like, okay, what's the prognosis? Well, you may not be able to lift your arm above your yep. shoulder. Yep. I can't live that way, right? Um, how long to recover? Four to six months, and it could tear again. I'm going to be on stage with one hand beside me, you know, like one hand. Who's excited? Like it won't work. And then this doc says to me, "This is what really changed my life." This doc, he was a fan. I didn't know his fan. I just showed up. He goes, "Oh my God, you made me all this money and changed my relationship." He goes on and on. He goes, "Now I got to be your doctor." I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Let me show you your spine. Life as you know it is over." This is literally what his bedside manner was. I was like, you clearly didn't go to my communications. Where's the reinforcement? He goes, no, I'm not. There's no joking here. He goes, you look at this. He goes, let me show you this. He goes, no more snowboarding, no more jumping, no more running. He goes, one good hit, and you might not be able to walk ever again. Wow. And you know, you know when somebody punches you and you're ready for it, you know. <laughs> but if you're not ready, I gotta be honest. I'm usually pretty strong. I was devastated for about two hours, and then you know, my my identity kicked in. I was like, this is bullshit. There's always an answer. So I kept asking these docs, what about stem cells? You know, because I obviously heard about stem cells. And I work, you know, work with a lot of the best of all time, greatest athletes ever. And several of them, like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? You know, would have taken him three months to heal. He did in two and a half weeks yep. with stem cells, yep. right? All my buddies have done. So I said, listen, you tell me stem cells will do nothing? So I went to Peter Diamandis, who's a dear friend of mine. He's a rocket scientist and a Harvard MD. He's a co-author of my book and a partner in my businesses. And I said, you know everybody. Like, who would give me the real straight scoop on these? And he said, Dr. Bob Harari, who I heard of, he's a great neurosurgeon. And he was one of the first guys that took old rats and gave them young rats' blood. You probably heard the study 38 years ago. Right. And the old rats got younger, the hair dark, the muscles. Mm. And the old rat blood went to the young rats and they got older. And so that started the whole thing in Silicon Valley about you know young blood and all that mm. stuff. But what it really discovered was the stem cells. So I sat down with him and he goes, look, Tony, when you turn 40 roughly, your stem cells fall off the cliff. He goes, so these guys that are going, if they want to get an elbow or something like that, you can do your own stem cells. But he goes for an entire shoulder, and, and what the guy said is spinal stenosis. That was my problem, right? He goes, that's why you've been in pain for 14 years. It's not going away. You can't do these things. He goes, spinal stenosis, you're gonna need something more powerful. He said, you need like four-day-old stem cells. And I'm like, I'm not into fetal tissue. He goes, it's not that. So when babies are born, the placenta and the cord, yep. you know, now people, some people save them, but they didn't for years. Most of it's thrown away. And he goes, it's the force of life that made that baby happen. So I said, where do I go? He told me. I went for three days, just one IV a day for 25 minutes. Yep. First in a shot um, of stem cells, like 150 million stem cells and exosomes. Where did you do it? Did you have to go to Columbia or did you go to the Panama. States? Panama. Yeah, 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 Panama yeah. originally. There's better, Antigua now is one of the best places. Yeah, yeah. There's I'm a place sorry, here in ask, the... Is it because it's not allowed in America? It's not legal. No, it's because the differentiation and you have limitations in America, the type right. you can do. The FDA is being super careful as they should be. But yeah. uh, you know, if you want to get something that's there, and that's all changing by the way. Yeah, the yeah, FDA yeah. is starting to move as we speak. But Antigua, the, the prime minister over there wants to make that the center of stem cells. He's a brilliant guy. I got to meet him. Oh, cool. Great team down there. So, so now that's where I go if I want to do an uptake. But the bottom line is I did them. Day one, yeah, I felt tired. 
day two, I had a cytokine response. And I knew what it was, so I wasn't scared, but like shaking, freezing for like 25 minutes. And then I went to sleep, and I woke up the next day with no pain, not only in my shoulder, my shoulder's perfect. I got the MRI, never had surgery, nothing wrong with it. But the most amazing thing is no pain in my spine for the first time in 14 years. Wow. So I became obsessed. Yes. Oh, so like, it wasn't I, targeted? It was. It actually helped in, in both They gave me an IV locations. as well. They gave me a shot for it, here, it, but IV over. for the whole body. Were right? either of those issues cartilage-based issues or were they muscle-based issues? They're both. Both? They're okay, both, yeah. because I personally have a severe, severe problem with my right ankle. I'm about to get it fused. Okay, well, I'm going to Please don't get it fused. <laughs> Bro, you're about to lit. Let me tell you what I've learned, and I'll save you. I'll even tell you where to go, and you don't have to go. You can go overseas. Okay, okay, perfect. So we'll talk but, about but, it but just to give you a sense, so you know, I became obsessed. I want to know everything about it. And then I found it wasn't really just stem cells. It's this regeneration revolution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was talking about the technology mm -hmm. is just exploding every year. And so I started learning more and more. And then I got invited by the Pope, believe it or not. <laughs> every two years, the Pope does this two or three-day conference. And he brings in all the best people from around the world, the best doctors in everything, cancer research, but all in regenerative medicine, mostly stem cells, but other forms of regenerative medicine. So I said, I'm not an idiot. I'm not, they asked me to be the cleanup speaker. I said, I'll be the cleanup speaker as long as I get to go with the whole program, you know? So I'm sitting there taking notes like a crazy person, and I saw things and heard things. I, I met this 11-year-old kid, supposed to die at four, 6% chance of living. He got his sister, newborn sister, stem cells. He's alive today, totally turned around. I met... A dozen people that were sent home to die for various forms mm -hmm. of cancer, but they did the CAR T cells, which just in nature, this week they came out, and cancer specialists never use the word cure. But it's been 10 years, and these CAR T cells that destroy the cancer, they're still in their body 10 years later. They're using the word cure for the first time wow, towards for wow. leukemias, liquid, liquid cancers. And then I met uh, Jack Nicholas, the greatest of all time golfer, and Jack was supposed to have his spine fused. Forget your ankle, right? You're right. And spine fusion works less than half the time. In fact, there's a study I have in the book and shows you know, the people who do spine fusion, less than 26% are able to work again. People who don't do it, 67% can work again, right? So he didn't do that, thank God. But he couldn't stand for more than 10 minutes. The pain was so severe. So here's a man his whole life played golf, tennis, did stem cells. Now he's 82 playing golf and tennis. So I came out of this and it's like, I'm going to write a book like I did with money. With money, I interviewed the 50 smartest people, Ray Dalio, Carl Icahn, Warren Buffett. And I took the complex and made it simple enough for people to use. And I use it for myself. I took my companies from $100 million companies, now I'm doing $7 billion. I got 105 companies, but it was just applying what I learned, right? Mm -hmm. So I helped everybody else, but the learning helped me. So I said, I want to do that in this category. So for the last almost three years, I've been interviewing over 150 Nobel laureates, scientists, the greatest physicians that you can know of on the planet, and then simplifying it into, here are the things you can do to, to speed up the energy in your body, the strength, the vitality, here's the longevity aspects of it, here's how to heal more rapidly, and then like the big six challenges, Alzheimer's, cancer, heart disease, the answers are there. So I'm, I'm donating 100% of the value of the book because I've done that all three of my books. That's all going, we're feeding 20 million people for Feeding America. I've been, I fed, I fed 42 million people in my life because I was fed when I was 11. I started with two and then four and then eight. I built up to that. And then I was doing Money Master the Game and having all these billionaires and Congress passes this law to cut, now it's called SNAP, it used to be called the Food Stamp Program, to all these people so that if you looked at the real numbers, almost every family that needs it would have to give out one week's worth of food unless guys like us step in. Mm. So I said, well, what if I, I found out it was 42 million, I didn't know it was that many people. I was like, that's pretty cool in a lifetime, but what if I fed 50 million people in a year? And it's like, you know, you set a big goal and get excited, you guys know, you've done it, like you've done it with fighting, you've done it with your life, you've done it with your business. I was like, what if I fed 100 million people? Screw that, what if I've had a billion people over 10 years? <laughs>
And so I'm seven years into it. We're just under 850 million meals that we've done so far. And 20 million That's meals crazy. are gonna come from this book, right? That's, That's there. And then the balance is going to Alzheimer's and cancer research. Yeah, you're the best person ever. That's freaking amazing. That's crazy. Isn't that fun? It's, yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a great career. A great family. I have a great family. Great cast family. and he's feeding it. Beautiful home with a slide. You feed a billion people. Sir, are you an angel? <laughs> Hell no. Back me or your favorite Barstool personality on the Barstool Sportsbook today and get exclusive boosted odds and the biggest action in sports. Check out our boosted odds under in the exclusive bet with Barstool section of the app. Hurry. These exclusive boosts won't last long. You must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or Virginia. To bet, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line 800-889-9789. Back to the program. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do more of what you love in 2023. Meetup is the place where passions meet friendships. With communities for every interest, you're bound to find new friends. There are thousands of Meetup events happening every day. Download the Meetup app and join in. I talked to a guy who's in uh, your platinum program. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. And he's, he thinks, and I think this too, I, you're a modern day prophet. Like, like oh. even, just, even just the way you're built physically and, and, and your bone structure and how everything is. Do you, uh, know, do you know I was 5'1 in high school? Yeah, and then you grew 10 inches in one year. Yeah. Growth spurt. But I had a tumor. Right. That's what it came from. Yeah. Pituitary, yeah. pituitary. And I still have it. Pituitary tumor. Right. Crazy. That's another example, right? How can I get that tumor? <laughs> <laughs> can you say that? Yeah. Well, I just did, my friend. Probably so. <laughs> is, there any other, is there any other shortcoming from it, or does it just make you Well, proud? yeah. When I was 32, you know, I'm a helicopter pilot. So every two years, in order to renew your license, you have to do a physical. So I go to this doc just for a physical. And I think that's all he's doing. And then the next three nights, my assistant calls and says, the doc keeps calling and he needs to talk to you. And I was like, tell him to send me the report. You know, I only yeah. did it because I had to, right? And I'm going to go to the south of France in two days later to do a big event. I'm looking forward to it. And I get home the night before, and there's a note stapled to my door saying, the doctor says it's an emergency. You must call him. And I'm 32 years old. And, you know, when I was growing up, I used to, like, when I, like you, I got successful at an early stage. And like you, I worked my ass off. I helped so many people, I had, and I, was, I had a lot of grace. You know, It takes grace as well, I believe. So I had a combination, but it was my brain was when I was really young, I was like 19, it was like, maybe I'm successful so young with influencing people around the world because I'm gonna die young. And then that, you know, that crazy part of your brain that if you don't know how to run it, that survival brain kicks in. I started having dreams. I wasn't gonna die from like a car accident. No, 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 it's gonna be slow through cancer. And I got so obsessed about it that sure enough, first thing that happens wasn't me, is my girlfriend, she comes home and starts crying. What is it? My mom, mm. my mom, finally she tells me she's got cancer and they tell her she's gonna die in nine weeks. And if it would have been me, I know I'm a pretty strong guy, but I think even though I'm finding answers, I think with myself, you're like, we'll do more for people we love, most of us, than we'll do for ourselves. Mm. And so something in me kicked in is like, there are people, you know, my whole philosophy came from Jim Rome. You know, the whole thing about success leaves clues. If somebody has had cancer and they're mm. stage four mm -hmm. and they got out of it, and thousands have, mm -hmm. I'm gonna find out what they do. Your mother, I'm not gonna accept that she's gonna die. So I, you know, a, I took a speed reading course. I was reading like constantly. And I found this book called One Answer to Cancer. And this book, 
uh, this guy was given, you know, he was a dentist and he was given six weeks to live and he had pancreatic cancer, which is the most deadly oh, one of all. Yeah. And, you know, 15 years later, still alive. So he wrote this book, how he detoxed his body and then how he took pancreatic enzymes. So I took her to her, the woman's name was Jenny. She was in her early 40s. And I said, Jenny, I said, I don't think you want to die. I can't guarantee you anything. I'm 19 years old, but read this book. And if it appeals to you, why don't we do this program? Mm -hmm. Then I give her, as a man thinketh, to kind of control her mind. Bottom line, she did it about, I don't know, within two or three weeks, she had this tumor on the back of her shoulder that was protruding out. And she had one in her feminine organs. And she all of a sudden felt better, looked better. Mm. And about, I don't know, maybe six weeks into it, seven weeks, you couldn't see or feel the tumor anymore on her back. And so at 10 weeks past when she's supposed to live, the doc finally says, well, maybe we should do exploratory surgery and see what's going on. And she comes to me at 19 and says, should I do this or not? <laughs> and I'm like, if I say no and you die, I said, you got to decide that. But it was me, I, I, I'd keep making progress first. But he convinced her. And they went in, did exploratory surgery, and all they found left of the tumor was the size of the end of my pinky's fingernail. And the doc says, this is, this is just unbelievable. This is a miracle. And she said, it is a miracle, but let me tell you what I did. Mm. And sure enough, he didn't want to hear that. He says, no, it's just a miracle. But she's alive today. She's in her mid-80s. And, um, and so that changed my world. Yeah. Because yeah. it took me from victim to who I am today, like finding all the answers. So when these guys kicked in, and all of a sudden the doc says, the next morning I call him, and he goes, uh, uh, Mr. Robbins, I'm, I hate to inform you, but you have a tumor in your brain. I said, what? Because I didn't go in because there's a problem. I just went for my physical for helicopter. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, at the base of your brain, your pituitary, there's a tumor and we must operate immediately. I said, how in the hell could you know that? I just came for a physical. He said, well, I notice, you know, you seem to have a lot of growth hormone. Oh, how'd you figure that shit out? You know, I got hands bigger than your face, and I got 16 shoe, you know, I was 5'1", I'm 6'7". Oh, yeah, I guess so. He goes, so I did these special blood tests. And I said, well, how do you know I have a tumor? And he goes, well, it's really complex. I said, I'm not stupid, explain it to me. He goes, well, I really can't explain it. I don't understand it, but I know what it says, right? Which didn't encourage me. So he didn't have a good bedside manner. He goes, I want you to do surgery. I said, well, what's the prognosis? I mean, what's the downside? He goes, well, I have to be honest, you can die, but most likely your endocrine system will never be the same. And so you have a lot less energy. And I'm like, that's my life. So I, want, I, I, I said, I want a second opinion. And because of Jenny, I knew the power of a second opinion. And, sure enough, and by the way, the Mayo Clinic in 2017 now tells even their doctors everyone should get a second opinion. Mm. They did a study with 286 people over several years, and they found that only 12% of the time was the first and second opinion the same. That means 88% of the time it was different Crazy. at the Mayo Clinic. So now they tell everybody, and by the way, by getting multiple ones, you get a more refined view, and about two-thirds of the time you're able to treat it better. So I didn't know that study yet, but I knew the gut of it. This guy was not having any discussion about referring me to somebody else. He did not have a good bedside manner. So I went to the south of France and thought I'd just screw it. There's nothing wrong with me. I didn't do the MRI. And sure enough, you know, your brain gets going. Mine uh -huh, did at least. Uh -huh. So I came back and did the MRI and I looked at the guy's face. And as I came out, I knew there was a problem. And he goes, yes, you've got a large tumor in there. But it swallowed part of itself up. We can't explain how. But there's still a big piece. And we need to do surgery. And I said, well, I'm going to get a second opinion. So then I flew to Boston to see this endocrinologist who's world famous, completely opposite guy. Like, most doctors are really incredibly caring. And some of them, you've know, got to be honest, they lose patients. they got to kind of toughen themselves up so they may not come across well. So I understand that. This guy, nicest guy in the world, says, don't you do the surgery in a million years. It's way too dangerous. You do have this problem. Go to Switzerland, and I'll refer you to a place. There's a new therapy. It's one shot every six months, and it keeps, because I have gigantism, so it keeps the arteries from getting too big, and that's how you die of a heart attack, because of gigantism. And I said, but my arteries are fine. You said they're perfect. 
They're the normal size for my heart. Mm -hmm. He goes, yeah, but you know, we want to be certain. I said, well, how can I be certain the drug won't have side effects? He goes, Tony, it, it, you know, there's no certainty at all in that area, but you're just going to be better off. So I thank God I didn't do it because six months later, it never made it to the US. So it's in Switzerland. The FDA did not approve it because they found it caused cancer. So I missed the bullet twice. So then I went to six other doctors. I finally, at the end of the story, I get to this final doctor, and he's a cool guy. And he says to me, Tony, he goes, you have a huge amount of growth hormone in your body. But he goes, dude, he said, you were doing multi-marathons in a weekend. And he said, and two days later, you recovered. He goes, I cannot explain that except for this massive growth hormone. He goes, I got bodybuilders that pay 1,200 bucks a month to get what you get for free. <laughs> so he said, I think your strategy of just measure. And so that was when I was 32. I'm now 62. I've never had a problem. But it's just a reminder that you just don't want to take, you know, every doctor is so committed to helping. Doctors are the most yeah. beautiful people in the world. And the book is filled with doctors, but the very best, right? The best in the world. And what you find is, it's like, first of all, the half-life of a medical education now, according to Harvard, is between 16 and 24 months. That means a half of what you've learned by the time 16, 24 months go by is out of date. So now the only person wow. that's going to educate the doctor is the pharmaceutical salesman. That's how we got the opioid crisis. Can you imagine being a doctor trying to save your patients and you're doing what you've taught is right uh. and you give them these opioids and they say they're not addictive and then the people get addicted and die? I mean, I feel for these doctors. I try to explain to people, doctors are like somebody walking down by a river and they hear somebody screaming and they're drowning. They don't think about themselves. Most doctors jump right in, save the person mouth to mouth, but as soon as they save them, what happens? They hear two more screams. Go save one, they're exhausted, save the other. Their own body is being thrashed. Most doctors can't take care of themselves because they're taking care of everybody else so much. Now they hear four screams. They don't have time to go upstream to see who's throwing them in. Right. So this book, I went upstream well, the doctors are paying attention to what's throwing them in and saying, how do you prevent that? How do you change that? So all of that is kind of a frame to have you understand that my body, my nervous system made the basis for me to want to have all these answers. And it's been an amazing journey to say the least. And, and I, don't take, I don't take one opinion. I always dig deeper, like I'm sure yep. you guys do. Yep. And it's what gives you those breakthroughs. Yep. Most of the people in this book that are heroes, they all have one thing in common. They've spent 20 or 30 years to create these unbelievable breakthroughs, mm. like Dr. June with CAR T-cells. Everybody said it was impossible. He almost went broke multiple times, but why did he do it? Almost every single one lost a husband or a wife or a child, and it pushed them to say, standard of care is not enough. I'm going to find the answer for 10 or 20 or 30 years. And now those things are available today to be able to turn your life around. There's a saying I like. Uh, I heard it recently. It's intellects solve problems. Geniuses prevent them. Mm, and I love comes, that. It comes from going upstream and seeing what, right. who's being thrown in the river That's and why right. and how. And I think you've perfectly matched tech, health, timing, uh, media in this book. Just hearing about it, I'm not much of a reader. Like, these guys know this, I don't like reading. Yeah. I'm gonna I got read it in audio. It's only about 5,000 hours. Is it you? <laughs> is it you reading it? Well, I read the first chapter and the last two chapters. I okay, cool, okay. The cool. last two chapters are about psychology and emotion and the power of the mind, you know, with placebos. Because most people, they underestimate what they can do with their mind. Yeah. Like, I'm sure you know placebos, they were started in World War II. They weren't started, they were discovered in World War II because this surgeon had all these guys dying and he ran out of morphine. And if you don't have morphine, people go into shock and die and also they're in massive pain. And it wasn't even the surgeon, it was the nurse. She handed him a saline solution, he thought it was that, and said, here we found some more. She just didn't know what to do. Yeah. He believed it, so he turned to these people and said, you're gonna be out of pain in just a matter of seconds or minutes. <laughs> we're gonna make it, none of them went to shock, 
Most of them are out of pain, and all he goes is a saline solution. So after the war, he went back to Harvard and started studying this, and he started the studies that are now standardized, where you compare a drug you know, to a placebo. placebo yeah. But what's crazy is, nobody reports about this, because there's lots of drugs that placebos are more effective, but you don't make billions selling a placebo, yeah. right? And Has anybody tried that? Well, <laughs> they, they actually have. They did one study where it said placebo, and they still, people responded. But what they found is, the bigger the intervention, the more your brain believes and changes your biochemistry. Mm -hmm. So a small pill versus a larger pill, big difference. An injection, even bigger reaction. False surgery, please say, the VA did a placebo surgery where they took a third of the people for arthroscopic surgery and they just cut up their skin and sewed it, never did anything to the knee. It's in the book. A year later, guess what? The people who had the least amount of pain, who were most recovery and said their life was the best, were the people that didn't have the surgery. So the VA doesn't cover it anymore. They don't fund it anymore because it doesn't work. And so, so what's the takeaway? Is it, is well, it, is it power of the mind? Mindset. Power of the mind. Yeah. It's even stronger than Harvard did a study where they gave people barbiturates. Body's going to drop through the floor, right? Big red pill, really large, and said, this is an amphetamine. In every single case, their body sped up as if they had amphetamine. So it's not even a placebo. Wow. It's the power of the mind to change it. There was a guy who I interviewed, you guys would know because you're younger than I am, but there's a guy named Norman Cousins you may have heard of from UCLA. He's very famous. There's buildings named after him. He's kind of like one of the fathers of psychoneuroimmunology, how your brain affects your immune system. And I met him because of the firewalk. He couldn't believe it. He came and, and really loved it. So we developed a friendship and I interviewed him. And back in those days, there weren't podcasts. So I did this thing called Power Talk, this little series. And in it, he said, Tony, it's even more powerful than you think. Our beliefs can make us sick, and our beliefs can be viral to other people. Mm. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know how somebody yawns, and you find yourself yawning, or somebody's laughing, it's not that funny, but they, they're having such a good time, you I find yourself like laughing. I don't like how you looked at me when you said that. <laughs> I know. You were looking at me one time, not one time, and then he goes, you know, when they're not funny, and then turns back. I'm glad you I'm picked that up. It was a subtle <laughs> signal for you. <laughs> but, what he, but what he said was, I'll tell you an example. He told his example, never forget. He went to this college football game, and somebody got really sick, projectile vomiting. It was so obvious in the stands. We were like, oh my God. And they called the doctor and the doctor came, this staff doctor. And he's talking to the guy, trying to figure out what caused this. And there was nothing different in his life except one thing. Like an hour before he went and got a Coke from the vending machine. It's like halftime at a football game. And so the doc theorized, holy shit, maybe that vending machine's got rotten you know, chemicals in it or something. So in order to make sure no one else got sick, they announced it over the loudspeaker to the whole football stadium, all the audience. Guess what? Everyone he said it was up. like, he said it was in five to 10 minutes. It was like a movie. People projectile no. vomiting. I swear to God, all the place. No. 12 ambulances came to take people to the hospital. And about an hour and a half later, they did an analysis and found there was nothing wrong with the machine. So they announced it. They <laughs> thought, and guess what? Within an hour, everybody was well. So, and here's the last one. CDC, most people, I think at this point know, the big fear everybody has is dying of COVID. And other than age, which you know, being 80 is obviously a, a real challenge because of where most people have their immune system, the number one filter or the number one factor of dying is obesity. 79.8, call it 80% of people have died of COVID are obese. That's why you see big differences in some countries where they don't have as much obesity compared to some of the Western countries, right? But the number two factor, according to the CDC, I put it in the book, I, wouldn't, I didn't even believe it until I saw it, was actually the CDC study fear and anxiety. That's the number two factor of dying. Why? Because your brain's fear can shut off your immune system. Your fear will change your heartbeat, change your breathing, change your oxygenization, mm. changes it all. Mm. And yet, what do we do? Scare the hell out of everybody. Right. The media are not bad people. They're great people. They're doing their job. Their job is to enrich their shareholders. To do that, they need your attention. <laughs> to get your attention, fear sells. Yeah, but that, right. that cyclical little vicious 
toxic pattern is the problem with all of us. I'm with you, brother. That's where all the reports <laughs> fucked you, up. <laughs> but we can take control of our own minds, and that's part of what I do at the end of the book as far as that's concerned. But the big answer is three chapters of me. But I've got an AI that I'm working on right now that I'm hoping, and we'll know in about two months, I, will, I can be able to speak in other languages in my voice. I didn't create it. It's from this really unique group of people. Wow. And uh, they've done it for Disney and a couple other places. Wow. And if so, then we're going to convert my whole book to me reading it because it won't require me. It takes oh a lot my. of time. Man. Yeah, it takes a lot I, of time. I did, I did it for my book, and it was it's like 40 plus hours just sitting yeah. there just reading the same Trust me, I read the three there. chapters and understand. <laughs> so was and it was coming out immediately, right? right so right. I didn't even have the time. You could speak in any other language in your voice, and they're going to. Dude, that's a well, disciple. They have to train that's what but, disciples yeah. did. <laughs> that's that's literally answer. in the Bible. They yeah. spoke everybody else's language. Are you are you doing any Web three metaverse stuff with any of your? I've invested in some of those, and I have a little company called Emmy that uh, you guys be interested. In, actually, I'll send it to you. You'd love it because I took guys from Disney. I didn't do it. A group of partners and myself did it. I grew some Disney from Pixar and so forth that left. And I don't know if you know it, but to take something in the quality of the Pixar image. I forget the exact number, but it takes like a it week and forever. 40 yeah. people yeah. to make like 30 seconds, yep. right? Well, they've developed a new technology, our partners have, and they can do it almost in real time. I saw that. Wow. So if you saw it now, you it's like Disney quality, and it's, I'll show you before you leave, or I'll, I'll send you a clip of it. It'll blow your mind. And we're only coming out with it for the first time this month, but we built an engine so that it can be done on a phone or anything else so that creators can now really create. And, it, and it's got a piece that not only maps map your face, but it's got AI. So based on your facial expression, it'll move the body and so forth consistent with the emotion that you're creating as well. Yeah, we are entering a crazy, crazy, crazy moment in time. Tell me what you guys are doing there. Okay, so I mean, we do a lot of NFT investing stuff. I invested in a company called Metaphysic where it's uh, exact AI recreation of your face. So your avatar yes. is you. Yes. in whatever metaverse you're living in. Yes. But but the the web three virtual reality, like second world space yeah. is what really, really excites me. And like everything I do now, I am kind of tailoring it for that. Yeah. But just for your seminars, man, for the people who can't show up to the yeah. thing, especially imagine if it happened in COVID. I know you did a nice pivot for, for not being able to have live events. Yeah, you, you gotta imagine this, like imagine your business is, and it's not even my business, it's I got lots of companies, it's my life, it's my mission, it's what I'm made for. And I'm about to go do an event for 12,500 people. And a couple weeks later, we'll probably have 15,000. So it's two weeks before San Francisco, San Jose event. The governor of California is a friend of mine. And I get this little note saying, uh, are you going to cancel your seminar? It's like, I had mercury poisoning. I bled out, lost a third of my blood supply and got in a wheelchair and finished a seminar. I mean, that's like, that's, that's how committed and crazy <laughs> I am, right? That's how I am. As you don't know who you're talking to. I've never canceled it. And then they said, governor said, 10 people is the most you can put in an environment. Well, that's kind of inconvenient when you have a stadium, right? <laughs> so here's what I get. I go, bullshit. I say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to move to Vegas. They're never going to shut down Vegas. Yeah. They shut down Vegas like a week <laughs> later, right? And I'd already moved people, saying we're going to Vegas, we're booking a place. So I was like, okay, screw that. We'll take, I did this years ago, but not this size. We'll take, you know, we'll take 1,500 movie theaters, put 10 people in each, and they can do it locally, and they'll still have a big screen, and they'll have this great interaction. Awesome. And they shut down the movie theaters. Yeah, so I was like, screw this. I'm going to Houston. I'm renting my buddy's church. He's got 15,000 people. It's perfect. We'll move everybody to Houston. They're not going to keep Costco open yeah. and shut down churches, and they shut down the church. So then I'm like, people need this right now. Yeah. What am I going to do? And some guy showed me this webinar, and he had these two 52-inch screens. And I said, I'll kill myself. I chopped my neck off first. I said, you know, what I do is like, it's like going to a... I, uh, Pat Riley is you know, a good friend of mine, and I remember one of the first times he came to an event with his wife, and he's like, 
this is like being at the seventh game of the NBA, but it's not two hours, man. It's like four <laughs> days and 12 hours each. And that's what I create. So I sat down with my team and I said, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna, and I have it nearby. I now have it. It's like, we're going to find a building that has 40 or 50 foot high ceilings. I'm going to build 20 foot high LED screens, 50 feet wide, 180 degrees around me. I'm going to call Eric Yon at Zoom and say, I need more than a thousand people. I need 25,000 people. How do we up it? I'm going to build a software piece on people's phone, a little app where they can shake it. And then one shake it, it makes a little electrical signal of clapping. If two, it's two. Mm. So it's real. Sick. Right? Sick. And so I built this whole interaction that could bring people forward. And the crazy thing is, I brought nine, I think it was eight or nine companies together. They're like, this is a big project. We could probably do this in nine months. I said, no, nine <laughs> weeks. We have nine weeks. I've already scheduled the event, right? And they all looked at me as crazy. So I went through three or four of these people. And then we pulled it off. And then we just improved it and improved it. And now, it's like I just did a seminar last week for 800,000 people. Yeah, like yeah. the biggest seminar I did was football stadium where I did 38,000 people. I don't work my ass off. And I was like, how am I ever going to get larger than 40,000 people in a stadium? So 800,000 people for six days in a row. I mean, nobody's ever done it like in history, but I can see every pimple on their face. I get to see their children. So many women come now. They didn't come because they have kids and they didn't want to leave for five right, days right. or four days mm -hmm. and go to that. And I, I was watching this guy the first time we did this. I can see them all. And you know, I swipe it and see more and see thousands of pictures. I make it as big or small as I want. And there's this Indian guy, you know, he's from India, he's got his headdress on and his wife too. And he's really pissed. You can see it in his face. He keeps walking by. The wife obviously took the big screen for the seminar, right? You know, he's really mad. And then all of a sudden he's listening, and then all of a sudden he's dancing and shit during one of the times. And then we do wood breaking. You know, I usually do like a fire walk or something that gives people an experience yep. rather than just intellectual of pushing through. And so we do wood breaking. I send the wood to everybody. And there's only one piece of wood because she signed up and he's fighting her for the piece of wood. <laughs> but it's been amazing. Like I would travel on average, let's say 15, 12 to 15 countries, at least 125 cities in a year, multi-day events. So I basically lived on the road most of my life. I was almost never here. I have multiple homes. I was rarely at any of them. But I loved it. I saw the impact of it. And multi-day seminars, they see maybe a quarter of a million people. I saw 2.7 million people in events this last year. And got to be home, and because we're home, I, we've been trying to have a baby together for a while. And I told my wife, I'm not having a kid past 50. And then I met a friend of mine who's a very famous uh, wealthy designer, and he said, Tony, I'm 66, and I just had a kid. It's the greatest thing. I said, you're crazy. But now we're home. So we said, let's give it one more shot. So now I got a 10-month-old daughter Amazing. as of yesterday. Sick. And I get to be home. I wouldn't have done it on the road. I'm home with her. I get to be with my family and not give up any impact. So, so COVID was the best thing that ever yeah, happened. It's almost better. I, I use COVID. I didn't let COVID use me. <laughs> but that's but I feel for the people that haven't found that way. I mean, that's why right. I'm out there doing the work that I'm doing. And it kind of forced you to go digital as well. It absolutely forced it. forced us yeah. all go digital to a different extent. Right, right, right. right. I want to back up. Uh, and ask you a about lot. Your, uh, yeah. To, by the way, we don't have that much time, which sucks, because uh, we could do podcasts for four hours, dude. But uh, <laughs> no I, I was gonna say too, Whatever we, we kind of did him a disservice. Well, you know, he kind of got on a roll. But like, there's a lot of people that watch this program that are younger than us that yes. aren't as you know apt to knowing exactly who you are. You're one of the most prolific strategist coaches yeah. Yeah, yeah, of yeah, all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like four sitting pre or four presidents you know every athlete every yeah. you know person ever wants to sit with tony robbins like well, you, no 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 you're right we in the little tour you gave us you were like yeah dude i, I coached mike tyson after he bit off that ear that was interesting. <laughs> all these rings from the championship teams NBA, you yeah, put together like you you've affected 
the the most uh, yeah prolific people in the world and the the ripple effect you've left behind. Like I can't even imagine. Uh, I've also the ripple effect. I've gotten to have a ticket to history. I got to sit down with Gorbachev, right, and talk about how was the how did they end you know the war that was oh happening between us and the Soviet Union. I your mean, trainer told us he told us to lead you with this story that you just told him about uh, Prince inviting you to uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, I can't believe you told him. <laughs> he, he invited you to Michael oh, Jordan. I was just like, I was sharing with him because sometimes we see things and I go, yeah, I forgot all about this. You know, I've had such an interesting and crazy life. No, he was just talking about, it's funny how people, when they meet you, you know how people react, you know, it's like they get so excited and so forth. And I love that. And I've heard every story and people stop me in the streets. Oh my God, changed my life. I love hearing that. Or they ask me a funny question. So I was at the NBA All-Star Game, this is in the early 90s, and it was in Minnesota. And so they had a party afterwards to acknowledge um, Michael uh, Jordan, and uh, Prince is the one hosting it. And Prince's house is, you can't even imagine, the guy's the most talented guy, God rest his soul, he's gone now. But they came to me and said, hey, you know, we need some celebrities that'll like greet people when they first come in and stuff, and would you be willing to do it? And I was like, all right, you know, I love people, sure enough. And I really love people. Like, when I meet people on the street, I give them the connection and time. I love people. He said just that too. So he said that too. Yeah, I'm really always that people. way. But after about the, I don't know, thousandth person, <laughs> you know, I was getting exhausted and tired of looking at how far does this line go, right? And sure enough, I see this guy about, I don't know, five people back. And he sees it's me, and he just goes ape shit. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. And by the time he gets, oh my God, oh my God. And he's using, you know, the F word, F this, F that. Oh, you're effing amazing. You effing changed my life. You effing made me rich. You're effing crazy. I can't believe this. I want to hug you into this thing. So I me, I said, well, thanks, man. It's so like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm a pimp. <laughs> and I thought he was kidding. I thought he's kidding. And all of a sudden he looks at me and goes, yeah, here's my bitches. And he introduces no, me. I no, swear that's a true story. And then he looks at me, and this is the best part. He looks at me and he goes, hey, I owe you. And I'm like, no, no, no you don't. No, you don't owe me whatsoever. Please. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> they were using your philosophy. I was like, I don't know if I like hearing this application in this situation. Oh, I've heard every story you can imagine, but that's the one that's, that's a little amazing. over the edge. Right? That's what the ladies know here. They're like, hey. hey Tommy. You wouldn't believe how many you <laughs> We went in front of the corner. Or you... No, no, no. Oh, <laughs> what, what kind of party was this? <laughs> well, Prince, it was wild. I mean, that guy could play every instrument. I mean, could when he was here, every instrument. It was, it was a wild party. But did he have a busy. slide? No, he didn't have a slide that I'm aware of. That I didn't cool. go through every part of his house, though. Who knows? Cool. <laughs> no, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Did we mention that we slid into the basement via a slide? That Wait, that's not the intro of the. I don't know if we mentioned it. Can yeah. we use that some of that footage? Yeah, we can get <laughs> you some footage, sure. Yeah, all right, fantastic. <laughs> Your epigenetic age. Yes. Aging. Yes. Aging is the disease because everything else comes from aging, and yes, uh, there's been a lot of trials recently. Yes. Or there's one trial in particular, the trim trial where uh, they're showing that it is possible to start reversing your age. Yeah. There's fasting, there's all this sorts of different stuff. Yeah. Do you know your epigenetic age? I do, I just had it done recently. So I'm 62, but I'm 51. 62 chronologically, 51 biochemically. Cool. But uh, the best, there's so many beautiful experts in longevity, but Dr. David Sinclair is, I think, one of the best. He's one of my dearest friends from Harvard. And he like took his 80-year-old father, who since he was 70, barely walked, never worked out, you know, seemed to be losing cognitive capacity and transformed him with a couple of very simple tools that make your body stronger. He now outlifts David in the gym. He walks, I think it's two or three miles every day. His cognitive came back. But here's, here's the part you understand. I don't know if it's too complex. I'll keep it really simple. People know, most people know today 
your DNA is not your destiny. Those 3.2 you know, billion letters from your mm. father and your mother, they're like the plan. Mm. But what matters is what gets turned on and turned off, which genes get turned on and turned off. So your epigenome, which means epi means above, think of it like the piano is the plan, the piano is your genome, your DNA, the player is the epigenome. Uh, and the epigenome is affected by diet, exercise, sleep, yep. right? All the things, chemicals you're exposed to, et cetera. But there's something above that that was discovered by David Sinclair and a couple other researchers. One was a Nobel Prize winner. And that is, there are these things called sirtuins. You don't have to remember the word, but just think of them as seven master genes. These sirtuins do two things that are critical for your life. Now, you're 25? 26. 26, yep. right? So you're, you're not thinking about this very much right now. You've got a mansion, and you've got a young team that's fixing it up. And it, no, I'm it, obsessed. I'm thinking it, about all of it. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm you I'm trying are. to get ahead of it. Okay, I want, well, I want well, to well, you're be smart. 150. Most people aren't doing thinking that way when they're your age, but, but because, you're, because you're an athlete, you're thinking yeah. it this yeah, way, right? Yeah, Most yeah. people don't. But check this out. Your sirtuins do two things that are sometimes in competition as you get older. First... They do, they turn on and off genes. And whether you get age older, quicker, faster, or slower, what happens to you disease-wise is which genes are turning off. You don't want certain genes turned on at a certain stage. These sirtuins affect the epigenome and shape that. They also affect inflammation, which you know as an athlete yep. is the basis of all kinds yep. of challenges. And they affect your mitochondria, which is the energy source in every cell in your body. So if you have high energy, that's strong. Well, they're the source that helps them to take food in and convert it into energy, into ATP, as I'm sure you know. So now, what else do they do? Well, they also have a competing component, because they can only do so much, which is cleaning up your DNA. So at 25, your DNA should be in great shape, but at 35, it, no matter what you do, because of exposure to radiation, et cetera, uh, your no night sleeps and things, it'll be affected a little bit. Well, by the time you're 50 or 60, it's, you accumulate all this, right? Well, right at the time when you need it the most, these sirtuins have a fuel that you've probably heard of called NAD. And NAD, right, you, I'm sure you probably had an every NAD morning. infusion every or something morning. of that nature. Every morning, yeah. So NAD is wonderful, but NAD is a size molecule that, as you probably know, needs a precursor called NMN to actually get into the body. Ah. And NAD and NMN drop off the cliff in your late 40s to 50s by at least 50%. So right when you need it most, for cleaning up your DNA because of accumulation and for energy, and that's why people age. So what David Sinclair and his group did is they started with mice and they started seeing what they could do to affect those sirtuins by NED, but by going to the precursor, NMN. So you can take a mouse and you give them NMN, oh, let's, let's, you take an old mouse. An old mouse, like a 70-year-old person would be like a 20-month-old, 24-month-old mouse. You put them on you know, a, a ramp and say, run, or give them direction to run, the most they can go is usually a quarter of a kilometer. Whereas a young, powerful mouse can run four times at a full kilometer. Mm. When they give NMN directly, the precursor to NAD that affects the sirtuins, that affects everything I just told you about, right? This cascading effect. Yep. They run within 14 days, two to three kilometers, 200 to 300% more than the youngest and strongest wow. ones amongst wow. them. But here's the cool thing. You go, well, Tony, that's great. I always go, yeah, my studies are great, but does it transfer to a human? Yep. So there's a company called Metro Biotech. Brilliant. They've got like 100 of some of the best longevity experts in the world. People in my book, you know, I've interviewed 150 of these people. Of the 150, there's probably 80 that are on his team that they've committed. They own a piece of the company and they're working on these breakthroughs. They've worked on several products, but one of those is if you go get NMN, you should get yours checked, yep. the ones that you take. We tested six in the marketplace with David, with a lab. There was no NMN in it. It's like, I went to the lab guys, I said, are these people just cheating and lying? A lot of it comes from China. 
He said, sometimes people do, but it's more likely it breaks down so quickly. Like in 30 to 45 days, it's gone. You're talking about in the supply then. In the supply, like capsules oh, that you get. Because yeah. that's the thing that Got can it. supply yeah. you and give you stronger, right? Yeah. So this, so there is some internet that holds up. David has yeah. some of that, right? And we can talk about that. But here's what's coming. So this Metro Biotech created a synthetic form of NMN. Now, I told you about the mice, but will it really transfer to humans? So yep. here's what's cool. Yep. For two years, top secret, they have been working with our military, with our special forces. And about a month and a half ago in Boston, the commander got so excited, he slipped the beans. And it was just in the Daily Mail last week as well. Sick. He didn't tell all of it, and I know more because I've invested in the company, and I can't tell you the exact things, but I can tell you what has been reported. What's been reported is the commander said they've had almost the identical response as they saw in the mice, meaning, first of all, the mice only get 30%. Like, you're NMN, you might get 30% uptake max. This NMN has brought it to three to 400% of what you have in your body, which is why it's crazy. And he said, these, these are the strongest humans alive, both men and women in the special yep, forces, yep. the most fit people, right? Endurance has exploded, he oh said, very much God. like the mice. He said, secondly, muscle development is completely changed from the same <laughs> stimulus, like the same workout, they're getting more muscle. And then thirdly, the most important thing for them is cognition has gone through the roof because when you're exhausted and you're out there in special forces, the ability to use your head is the most more valuable than your body at that point, right? Cognition. So I, the founder of this is a guy named Ed Shulock. He's actually coming here on Saturday. And Ed, he's just a genius of a guy, but Ed, he's going to show me more of what the details are, but he decided not to make this a nutraceutical. He's going through the FDA, so they're doing a parallel with the FDA. He thinks in 18 to 24 months, they should have their final phase three done, which means it would be a medication that anyone can get that is stable so it doesn't break down. And so anyone can now start to have maximum mitochondrial power, wow. maximum turn on and off. This is less than, two, you know, you're 26. I mean, you'd be 28 and you have this for the rest of your life. This is about I mean, to riddle the water list, huh? No way athletes are going to be able to use this stuff. Well, I, I don't know that they're going to be able to block it from athletes because it's a natural substance in your body. Oh it's just maximized, gosh, right? That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, there are things like this that you'll see in the book that you go, this is crazy. So I show you what you can do right now. And then I show you what you do in the next 12 to 36 months, not 10 years from now. Uh, so you know what's coming, so you can take advantage. Yep. I mean, if you walk around this house, you yeah, see- Yeah, infrared, infrared, infrared sauna? Oh, of course. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yes. and that, we, we, in I have garage. lasers, I have a, a guy who made it for me, a quarter of a million dollars, he gave it to me, but he's the best laser guy in the world. Um, you know, I'd, I'd write about in the book, Dr. Cassellini. Yeah. I have a laser bed. Yeah. I used to have one of the ones that they used to make, you know, that uh, I'm not trying to think of the company, but he's the guy that built the initial lasers. Just genius stuff. So, no, I use all the above. And saunas is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. The simplest yeah, yeah. thing for your audience, four days in a sauna. There's three major studies done over the Finnish people. So there's millions of people there that use a sauna all the time. And obviously, which sauna you use, you can get better results, obviously, with infrared. Yep. But it's unbelievable. If you use the sauna four days a week, think of the people unlike us who just don't work out or it's not their gig or they don't feel like they can. Yeah, yeah. They get a sauna four days a week for 18 to 20 minutes at 160, 48% reduction in the ability of a stroke, 52% reduction in heart disease, <sighs> radical change in people's health, blood pressure. Health, I mean, there's man. these little things, like tiny things you can do that change mm -hmm. everything. I don't know, I'm sure you probably know, but like broccoli sprouts. You know broccoli sprouts, people are worried about cancer? Broccoli sprouts, there's thousand studies on them. And for women, they not only reduce your chance of cancer through the vote, but they reduce breast cancer by 80%. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, oh there's, and this is all science. This is not some airy-fairy person talking about things. It's But most people just don't know. See, I it's like all that stuff. there, dude. I like that stuff more than, especially for the audience, than the biohacking and NAD, because that stuff is obviously 
you know, kind of confined to people that yeah. can afford and find that type yeah. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What el- what other small steps can people who are watching the show today take to, uh, you know, cultivate a more uh, a better? You call it an emotional home for themselves. Yes. I've heard you talk about yeah. it before. I want to create the right emotional home for myself. Or what steps can I take to be healthy in a more efficient way for the general pop? So that stuff's yeah. important yeah. for sure. Well, I, well, to me, the last two chapters about the mind, but I'd start with that because honestly. Like all the stuff we do, we do because of what's going on in our head. We, we have a desire for something greater than what we have, and we have a desire to have what we have be stronger and more, and so we, we go out and figure out how to maximize it. So you gotta start with the mind. And there's like three decisions that control people's entire lives. They're happening right now as people are listening, and they can test in their own mind if it's true, right? They don't have to believe me. I found these three out because when I was a little kid, I grew up in a pretty tough environment. I had four different fathers, and we had never had money even for food. I mean, Thanksgiving with no food, and my parents are fighting. And I discovered this because there's a knock on the door. I got younger brother and sister. I'm trying to make sure they don't hear this shit. I go to the door, and there's this tall guy there. You know, I was a little kid in those days. Got two giant bags of groceries. On the ground, he's got an uncooked turkey in a pan. And he goes, is your father here? And I'm like, just one moment, right? And my parents are screaming, saying things that you can never take back. And I'm like, Dad, Dad, you got to come open the door, right? And my dad's like, you open it. I said, I did. He said, it's for you. Mm. Who is it? I don't know. So my dad goes, and I'm sitting like a little kid. I'm just so excited. We're going to have this incredible Thanksgiving dinner. It's going to save our family. Everybody's going to be happy. My dad was not happy when they opened the door. He looked at this guy with the groceries. Before the guy said a word, he said, we don't accept charity. And he went and slammed the door. And the guy's foot had been there. He wasn't trying to. It just bounced off his foot, uh. which made my dad even more pissed. And he goes, sir, sir, I'm just the delivery guy. He said, you know, Someone knows you're having a tough time. Everybody has tough times and they want you to have a great Thanksgiving. I'm just delivery. And my father said, we don't want to save charity. And at this point, the guy had leaned in a little bit. So it hit his shoulder and his foot and bounced out again. So now my dad's getting more mad. And then the guy, who's a palsy guy, even as a kid, I could see it. He saw me standing there. I probably saw it was on my face. And he goes, sir, please don't make your family suffer because of your ego. Ooh. And the veins on the side of my father's face. Ooh. I thought he was going to punch the man's face out. And my father, I don't know what it is, he looked at me, he looked at the man, he took the food, he closed the door, his shoulders dropped, and he walked out of the room. And he left our family about two years later. Uh, he's the one who adopted me. Um, I carry his name. I loved him dearly. It was what I thought was the worst event in my life. But about, I don't know, a year and a half later, I'm like, kept thinking, like, what made this happen? And it served me because I've used this same set of understandings I'm sharing. Like when 9-11 happened and I got 2,000 people from... 50 different countries and people are freaking out, you know, what was happening. And what I really figured out was there's these three decisions. Most decisions are made unconsciously. Hmm. And like 48% of what we do, depending on which doctor you read, is about habit. What's great about habit is you don't have to think. What's bad about habit is you don't change, right? And so most people make these decisions unconsciously. But what are they? One, you decide every moment of your life you're making a decision consciously or unconsciously what to focus on. So... If you focus on the worst scenario, of course, you're gonna feel sick to your stomach, right? And then you find out it's not true and you're fine, right? Focus equals feeling. But there's patterns of focus. So if I asked your audience right now, or all you guys, if, what do you think most people focus on more? What they have or what's missing? The latter. What's missing. And including super achievers. Like some of the biggest achievers are always focusing on what's missing because they're always trying to get to the next level. So what happens? As a result, when you're always focused on what's missing, you cannot sustain happiness. It has nothing to do with how intelligent you are. It's just like software. Mm. So you always look at what's missing so you never feel fulfilled or alive, right? And so you keep being on the hamster wheel trying to do more and it's never enough. That's what people end up being pushing and pushing and pushing and you see them burn out, you have everything and they're miserable. Second pattern, 
And by the way, we all do both. It's just where do you live more? And most people focus on what's missing. Do you think most people focus on what they can or can't control? Probably the latter. Can't is yeah. most people. Now, my events, when I ask this to 15,000 people, most people focus on what they can control. That's why they're there, right? Yeah. They came to yeah. take control of their body, their yeah. mind, or their business, or whatever, right? But for the average population, and during COVID, there's so much you can't control. It's easy mm. to be focused on what you can't control, right? So what do you think happens to somebody who's constantly focusing on what's missing and constantly focusing on what they can't control? They're going to be pissed or angry, overwhelmed, or stressed or depressed. Then add the third one. And there, I gave you a dozen. We'll just do three. What do you think most people spend their time more? The past, the present, or the future? Future. Future? Probably a mix of the two, past or future. Definitely not the present. Depends on the person. Right. Um, most achievers focus on the future. You are correct. Most people who are unhappy and frustrated, which unfortunately is the majority of humans, most people are not happy and thrilled and have a great body and a great relationship. We all can, but very few people do because they're focused on the past and usually they can't change it. Or they focus on a future that they're concerned about. Mm. Yeah, and either yeah. way, they're stressed. So I ask people, I got you know, 20,000 people in the stadium, they'll say, how many of you know somebody who takes antidepressants and they're still depressed? And 80, 85% of the hands go up. Yeah. Do you guys know anybody like that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't take any antidepressants anymore, but yeah. when I did, I was still completely, yeah. they do nothing. So, so the question is, why is that? Well, on the side, it says create suicidal thoughts. That's a clue, right? But it numbs you, right? That's what it does. Right. It doesn't change the source of the problem, which is you're constantly focusing on what you can't control, what's missing, perhaps the past. Just as three examples. Band-aid over a bullet wound. Exactly right. Oh, that's a good metaphor. I like that. I'll steal that. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like put George full credit. credit. <laughs> I like that. The turtleneck Look at the way he's sitting right now. Because I didn't want to disrespect him like that. No, no, no. It's good. I mean, just with the turtleneck and the, like, well, you look so sophisticated. You know, we're not in front of rappers anymore, guys. We gotta... <laughs> But the point is, when you change those decisions, like the first decision is focus, then the second decision is, what does it mean? The minute you focus on something, you gotta, what does it mean? So you wake up and feel like shit, what does it mean? Well, I effed up last night, or it's the end of the world, like or it doesn't matter, like right? The meaning creates your life. But when you said emotional home, what I learned is that people have an emotional home. Like some people, I'm sure you know, no matter what happens, they're pissed off. Or no matter what happens, they're worried. They worry about other people and themselves. Or you know somebody that's not funny, but they think they are. <laughs> no matter what happens, they have a good time, right? right. So people oh, have an emotional home. It's an inside joke. Look at anyone right now. <laughs> it's like funny here, but that's my career, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're already a billionaire. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go crawl up this little slide. We have a jetpack for you. <laughs> But my point is, like, if you think, you know, God is punishing you, that is why this is happening, which some people do, or God is challenging me, or is this a gift from God, this problem, or is it got nothing to do with God, I'm just a lazy bitch, you know, I'm not doing anything, right? Or is somebody dissing me, they disrespecting me, or are they challenging me, are they coaching me, are they loving me, you know, or relationship, is it the end or the beginning? You think it's the end of relationship, you behave very differently than the beginning of relationship. So the meanings we select change how we feel instantly. Mm -hmm. And because we have habits of meanings, people have habits of emotion where they kind of live. So you see people in some part of the country and you feel for them, like they come by and a cyclone destroys their home or a you know, flood or whatever. And then you see them picking up what's left of their life and you, you pray for them, you care for them. And then three years later it happens again and three years it happens again and you uh. go like, why don't they move? You know, because, <laughs> because it's what they know. Right. And we have an emotional home that we rarely move from that we find a way to get back to. Mm. But if you change these three patterns, what you focus on, 
what things mean, finding empowering meaning. And then what you do is controlled by how you feel. If you're pissed, you're gonna behave differently than if you're feeling good. So those three patterns literally control your life. Most people, those patterns are unconscious, so they keep experiencing life the same way. How do they make it a conscious action? For people watching this, when they wake up tomorrow, what's, an, what's the first action they could do tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., to start renovating their emotional home? The first thing they should do is change their physiology. Because before you try to take control of your mind, you take care of your body. Your body affects your emotion. Um, you know, you, I teach people how to radically change their body in seconds. I do it with athletes or CEOs, whoever it is. And you can change it instantly. Not fake pump up bullshit, but a real biochemical change. So, you know, I get up every morning. My first thing is, boom, I go straight into the ice water, right? And I don't do it because I like it. I never look forward <laughs> to doing it. In my home in Sun Valley, I walk through the snow and I go in the river. It's like, you know, 40 degrees. Every morning you do this. Every morning. I don't miss. And there's never been a morning I look forward to it. It's never. So but I'll tell you why you I do it. You ever met Wim Hof? I, do, well, I know Wim Hof really well. Yeah. But I do it because besides the physical capacity, which, you know, your lymph flow, your blood flow changes radically. Yeah. Right. It's the discipline of saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. I'm like, I don't go and say, oh, when I'm ready or when I, it's like, when I say go, MFR, we go now. Yeah. And then when you do that every day, then when tough shit happens, you just say, no, this is what we're doing and yeah. your brain responds. So before they even work on their head, they gotta do something to make their body strong because we all respond to challenge. You know that better than anybody. So if we keep every day giving a different kind of stimulus or challenge, we get stronger. Then how they become conscious of it is they simply ask themselves in this moment, what am I focusing on? They start to ask, what am I focusing on? Well, what's wrong is always available. So is what's right, right? And so you just develop a new habit. You go, okay, look at that shit. Okay, erase, let me do this one, right? And then the meanings are the most important ones because when you're really upset, there's a meaning. And I always tell people, you know, meanings come from beliefs. And when people go to a seminar, I do this process called the Dickens to figure two or three beliefs that are messing them up in some area and we decimate them, not intellectually understand them, you get out of your body and replace it. Because a belief's a poor substitute for an experience. Like you guys could believe, I could believe something about you, you can believe about me, but if we go hang out for a week, we know each other. If you tell me I know what China's like, you've never been there, it's your belief. If we go live there for six months, mm. now you know. Mm -hmm. And so I try to give people experiences as opposed to beliefs mm. that kind of change what they're doing. But the answer to your question is they gotta change the body first. They could do it by lifting weights. Anything that requires you to do something, even for a short time, give you 10 minutes, where you're pushing way beyond your comfort zone, what that does, it makes your mind and your body work together. And then you develop real will. For an extended period of time, regularly. So, yes. did, so it's more importantly than even the extended period of time is the consistency. Got it. Yeah, because I've also heard you say that you have two choices in life to dictate the quality of your life, one being discipline, the other one being regret. That's right, brother. And you could choose from one or the other. And so That's it right. seems and, like- And regret weighs tons. Way discipline more. weighs ounces. Way more, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for, for sure, sure. for sure. I do think we're out of time, both Okay, of us, no problem, correct? No. I appreciate you guys coming by. No, I, I, came I saw, no, your lady held up the sign. Oh, I saw oh, And then Caleb gave me one of these. <laughs> okay, good. I but uh, but I will say, dude, I am so glad that we came to Florida. Like, we, we've we never- Well, come back again sometime. We'll hang out. I you know. don't need the cameras. You just come by and say hello. I'd love to. I loved you so much. And good. I have so, <laughs> so many questions. Like, I know. I ask him. Should we just not, not well, he got should we just like lock him up or something like that? Like, <laughs> Let's lock him up in his own house. <laughs> Wanna go bowling over there? By the way, I'm looking at a bowling alley, a pool table, a slide, a simulated golf, golf a ping pong table, squash, <laughs> basketball court. It's amazing, bro. You inspire me as you inspire millions and millions of people. And uh, we, you, we, gotta, we gotta get back in the saddle. Thank Please. you, man. Please, well, please, come please. to a seminar sometime too. Have an I'd experience. Love to. I'd love I'd to have love you guys to. there. You'll be blown away, I promise you. I mean, people won't, like I said, won't sit for three hours and 12 hours go by like this yeah. because 
you know, a minute feels like eternity when you hate what's going on. Yeah. When you love what's going on, you're like, time just disappears. But you you take all that stuff and you'd use it in all in your sports approach to your life and yeah. you'd use it to your business as well. Yeah. Tony Robbins, ladies and gentlemen, get his new book, Life Force. It's out Thank now. You. It's out now. It's out now. Yesterday. Hit that subscribe button. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we love you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Impulsive. We'll see you next time. Peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.